Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we combine a love of movies and television with not a lot of actual knowledge about movies or television. I'm your host, Joseph. With me is my co-host, Christian. What's up? In anticipation of us doing a review for the Bohemian Rhapsody biopic and kind of for, for the Elton John uh, biopic. When is that one coming out? Do you remember? May. May? Yep. Of next year? Uh, we thought it would be a good opportunity to go through some of the uh, the existing musical artist biopics that are already out there. And it turns out there are quite a lot of them. Yeah, there's a bunch. So we're going to judge each of these movies based on our, our standard rubric, which is better or worse than Michael Bay's Transformers, which we've repeatedly... Uh, asserted is the most mediocre movie ever made yes everything that's ever been made is either better or worse than michael bass transformers so we we, we got a, a good list for you here what do you think uh there are a couple different philosophies that i've noticed just in making them some of them are kind of like straight retellings you know from beginning to end mm-hmm. um some of them surround the things that happen around the artist there's there's one that's just real trippy about like you know personality parts of, mm-hmm. of the artists what makes a good biopic or not a good biopic it's tough i think we automatically go to the life that person lived yeah but like you talked about one of them is focused more on the characters and the music and ideals of that mm-hmm. group i i don't think that one's necessarily better than the rest i just believe that it it's an interesting interpretation because i'm not entirely sure that imitation is always great acting right it can be but there is um something to be said about coming up with or focusing these films based on more than the music than the life. Like that's something I'd like to see. I I feel like it's only maybe been done a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Most of them are primarily just these people lived really interesting lives and those stories deserve to be told. And they do like they do. I just, it kind of feels rehashed. Sure. We've gotten a lot of these. We have gotten a lot of these. Also, you know, there's, there's the argument that the story we get isn't necessarily the life that was lived. It's Oh, for sure. Yeah. Specific ups and downs combined into a satisfying story arc that will end when the credits roll, but it is not necessarily representative of the life that was lived. It's it's weird because I automatically always assume the lives are worse than the way the movies portray them. Yeah, that's them. true. Um, but there are some of them where I do think like, and we'll talk more about it, but we're like Ray and Walk the Line. Like when it gets bad, it's just nothing but bad for like a really long time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, there were there got to be moments where it was good. So and so, sometimes I wonder if it goes too far the other way and just it makes the lives seem way worse worse than they actually were too because it makes for good drama right it's funny to me this has become its own genre and it's so popular i mean we get one or two of them every Uh, year now just about uh i think probably only one this year i guess bohemian rhapsody unless there's one i'm missing no i think about one a year's right you can make an argument a star is born it's kind of that but kind of yeah it's a movie genre that i enjoy but i also realize the problems that lie within it you know like I know it's kind of played out and tried at this point, but I still go to almost all of them. I mean, it's kind of like going to see a sports movie. You know exactly like what's oh, going to happen. You understand the beats of it, but you're still interested to see what it is. Perfect comparison. Yeah. Perfect comparison. It is just like a sports movie. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to go through them one by one here. And uh, I think while we're talking about them, we'll start to elucidate more of these points. Yeah. Uh, Actually, we don't, we don't want to give away spoilers, so we can talk about those problems more when we're yeah. into those movies. Uh, so we're going to start with one that, that I know you really like, I have not seen yet, is uh, Straight Outta Compton. Just oh, came out yeah. a couple years ago. I didn't know you hadn't seen this movie. I have not. I think you bought this movie like for my birthday last year. Or I probably did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or two years ago. Because I know you like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Straight Outta Compton, it's the story of N.W.A. I really like this film. Uh, it F. Gary Gray, I believe, is the director. That's right. Uh 
I don't remember all the actors in it. I know Ice Cube is played by Ice Cube's son. Yeah, and he looks m- more like Ice Cube than Ice Cube does sometimes. Uh, now, for sure, yeah. yeah. In this movie, I he's one of the ones that I like, NWA. I like, I'm a big fan of like late 80s, 90s, early 90s rap music. Um, I was already familiar with their story, and I, I like the film's interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Having uh, Ice Cube and Dre be so involved in the like early stages, I think mm-hmm. helped play into the accuracy of it. Easy e story is one that, is incredibly interesting and should be told, and it's tragic. I mean, it, it there's no happy ending for Easy. Do you feel like they they tell it accurately? I don't know. I, the problem is you don't know the inside. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so I, know, you, I know that was one of the criticisms of the movie is that they they kind of put a bow on it. Yeah, that's that. It seems like everything's coming together and everything's going to be made better, and then Easy dies. Mm-hmm. That's not my impression of what actually happened. So I, I almost wonder specifically, like, if Ice Cube wanted some revisionist history right. to make... Not that, he, not that he's the villain in that story by any means, but he definitely was the major influence in NWA breaking up. It makes him seem like he's the person who's kind of... Well, Easy's the guy getting the train rolling to come back together, but Ice Cube is like, oh, yeah, you know, we we should do that. Mm-hmm. We, we should. And then, of course, Easy has AIDS and dies, but... It's it's a very well made film. The music's great. I mean, most people know, you know, so at least one, you know, straight out of Compton. Most people know straight out of Compton, right? Or fuck the police, or you know, mm-hmm. they, there are a few classic NWA songs. And what's crazy about it, those guys made one record. You know what I mean? Like they made one album, and they were huge. And then Dre and Ice Cube go on, and they just keep making hits. And I don't know. I really like this movie. I think it is definitely. Uh, top of the line in what these films can be. We had never really had one about a hip-hop star. I was about to say, I feel like this is probably the first... I mean, they're definitely... Notorious, I think, is the first one. Right, but I feel like this is the first, like, blockbuster. Like, this one blew the doors off of theaters when it came out. Well, it definitely, like... You know it's good because if you go back and watch the Tupac one from earlier this year, like, that's not what it should be. You Mm. know what I mean? Like, NWA is definitely the bar they should shoot for. They shouldn't rush together and just try to throw something just because you attach, like, a celebrity name to it. But uh, those guys, the the actors did a good job. Paul Giamatti is, like, slimy and greasy and just, like... As as he always is. A tool, and he just fits it perfectly. And I don't know, man. There's, There's a lot going for that movie. I really like it. You know, I've watched it certainly a handful of times. I own it. I saw it in th- I saw it in theaters twice. Actually, I liked it so much. I would like to see more in that vein. Like I'm not like a East Coast West Coast rap guy, yeah. though. Like the the music that I I like is from that time period. So I would like to see more of like the birth of Southern California rap. Like I would like to see you kind of see like Snoop coming in. Uh, but Which I was Lakeith Stanfield, I think, right? I believe that is correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he looks just like him That's in the crazy. movie. Um, He's got that same wiry frame. Yeah. I'll tell you, I would be curious to see in, in NWA era in Straight Outta Compton, they kind of do this, but I would like to see a movie about Suge Knight. He's, he's in the film and you see that relationship they have with Suge Knight. Mm. And that dude, he lived a, he still lives a crazy life that has just recently been back in the news because he killed a guy and he's in prison for it. Like... They ref- I don't know that you could make a movie around him because he's definitely a villain. Like right. he's, he's like a real life Lex Luthor almost, and that he was trying to run this like media empire, and he could just do whatever he wanted, or he thought he could do whatever he wanted. But that would be one I would like to see. I think it would be really interesting because that guy lived a crazy, crazy life. Fair enough. Yep. 
Is this movie better or worse than Transformers? Oh, this movie is better than Transformers. Definitely better. It was one of my favorite movies of 2016. Uh, I actually just watched, in, in uh, anticipation of this podcast, the Bob Dylan biopic. I say it's biopic. That's a heavy quotes uh, <laughs> called I'm Not There, um, which takes kind of the reverse approach, whereas... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Straight Outta Compton and several of the other ones on this list are kind of direct historical bi- biographies, you yeah. know, loose biographies loose, yeah. anyway, that kind of start before they they became a thing and, and followed them through their rise to fame and fortune and success. This one takes a much more artistic uh, interpretational approach. Uh, so th- if, if you're not familiar with this movie, it, it was kind of famous when it came out for it's it's got six different actors playing different aspects of uh, of bob dylan several people that you would recognize the aspects of bob dylan are poet prophet outlaw fake rock and roll martyr and star of electricity mm. the uh, the poet is ben wishaw from uh that one that, that makes so much sense no he's he's yeah fits it perfectly yeah. from what do we establish he's from he cloud atlas and skyfall skyfall Inspector, he's cute yeah the prophet is christian bale that seems so weird to me. Oh, this is pretty good. Uh, the outlaw is Richard Gere, which is definitely strange. The fake is is a young black actor, like he's like eleven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the rock and roll martyr is Kate Blanchett, which I think she I don't know if she was nominated or won an Oscar for. Pretty yeah, she was I can't nominated remember. Yeah, she's at least nominated. Um, and the star of like Electricity was Heath Ledger. This was a trippy ass movie. Yeah. Um, I think it would have worked better for me if I knew a lot more about Bob Dylan. So that's that's kind of the advantage of, of the historical biographies is that you actually like learn more about mm-hmm. maybe an artist yeah, that you didn't sure. know. That. Whereas this, I think it would reward me a lot more if I was a lot more familiar with like Bob Dylan's progression over his career, mm-hmm. which I'm not. You know, I, there are a couple of, of important... It, it, it doesn't exactly follow his stylistic changes. There are a couple in there. The part where it's the young black actor is kind of specifically his really early career where he's, you know, he's playing folk songs, but they're old folk songs from a time before he was there and, and kind of his transition to this folk style about current events. And uh, Kate Blanchett is kind of specifically in his switch to, you know, the, the electric phase. Mm-hmm. But again, no one is about one phase. They're all, none of them are actually technically Bob Dylan in the movie. They're all another character that is, is Bob Dylan-like. Hmm. It's very strange. Each one has their own little arc. You know, uh, Heath Ledger's one is, is a, like a superstar, and it, it's about him and his wife's failing marriage. Kate Blanchett's is very much about, like, criticism and, and, like, standing up to and being, like, responsible for what your music represents and the ideas behind the music. You know, each one has their own story, and none of them are really specifically related to Bob Dylan's career, but are, in theory, you know, related to, like, the spirit of Bob Dylan yeah. and his music. Um, I don't know if it's a good movie. I don't know if I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> yeah, I think all of the all the actors are, are are pretty good in it. We you and I were talking about this, and we're probably going to talk about it more um, as we go on. But most of the folks do like a Bob Dylan impersonation yeah. in the course of of the movie, and I'm not sure that that like works, works. to its advantage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does. Sometimes I feel like it takes you out of the greater story. Heath Ledger's penis is in this movie. Wasn't expecting that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like. I mean, I get that Heath Ledger plays Bob Dylan in this movie. Yeah. But I feel like a Bob Dylan biopic starring Heath Ledger was a missed opportunity. I feel like he looks the part. He could have killed it. Well, it's funny because he's, again, he's, you know, the very specific, specific aspect. Yeah. And his aspect is when he's like, you know, on the top of the world, yep. you know, like already kind of achieving legend status. And he's just an asshole. <laughs> uh, he is the worst guy. Yeah. Uh, but I bet he does it well. He does. He's great. Yeah. 
Uh, that's one of my my problems with this movie is I I like appreciate what they're trying to do in that mm-hmm. a, a lot of a lot of the discussions between you know the the Bob Dylans and and different characters is is about like finding your voice finding what's worth talking about what your responsibility as an artist is you know to to other people to yourself you know what the words that you're speaking mean to you and your audience and all that kind of stuff and all that's interesting but it also like it's really navel gazely yeah gazy navel gazy as the the movie goes on and uh yeah i don't know it, it's it feels like an art film like like a yeah. like a student film with a bunch of superstars in it so I, it's kind of looks like a, what it wanted to be yeah it, i might actually say it's worse than transformers oh snap this, this is like right on the border for me but yeah. i would rather watch transformers, transformers in this movie i don't you know i it's funny because bob dylan's one of those people that i like bob dylan's music um he's always kind of seemed insufferable to me but i <laughs> I, it, like him as a human being, but I enjoy his music. Uh, this is before he, I mean, it's kind of stupid, but one night I was at a bar and the guy was playing and he was like, free drinks, who can ever name me? Who wrote this song? And he played Wagon Wheel or mm. Rock Me Mama. And I was the only one that knew that that was a Bob Dylan song. Everyone was like, oh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah. And like, no, like, and some people said Old Crow Medicine Show. And I was like, you know, at the very end, everyone was silent. I was like, well, I guess no one else is going to guess that. I was like, Bob Dylan. And he's uh-huh. like, yeah, free drinks to that guy. <laughs> so, that's my one Bob Dylan story. Bob Dylan wrote a lot of songs. A ton of songs. Songs you didn't know Bob Dylan wrote, mm. he wrote. But yeah, his weird voice too, man. Yeah. Oh man, that's my other problem. Is I don't I don't necessarily, I don't like have a thing against Bob Dylan, but mm-hmm. I don't like obviously recreationally listen to Bob. There's a fuck ton of Bob Dylan in this movie. Yeah. It's like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, worse than Transformers. Uh, did you want to talk about, you had a couple more that, that you were familiar with. I, I think these are not necessarily, one of them is more well-known. One was The Doors. It's about Jim Morrison. It's with uh, uh, Val Kilmer, Starring right? Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison. It, the only reason why I wanted to bring it up is it's really good. It's really well-made. It's a bit on the older side. It's, gosh. I mean, when Val pu- Kilmer was a thing. Probably pushing 30 years. Yeah. I think 1990, 1991, probably. Yep. And it's it's a very good interpretation. I'm a big Jim Morrison fan. I like The Doors. Uh, I once got in trouble in high school because I had to write a paper on a 20th century historical figure. And I chose Jim Morrison. And my teacher told me it wasn't good enough. I should pick another person. What? And I still wrote Jim Morrison. Good. And she gave me a zero. Aww. Which is fine. I knew that was going to be, but I was like my, like, stick it to the man. I know, that fascist public school system. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other one How was is Jim Morrison, not a historical. She said thing? there wasn't enough out there about him, but I was like, he's been dead 40 years. Like, I don't know why, like there are tons of books, there are movies, like there's all sorts of stuff out there about Jim Morrison. That's insane. But, uh, Val Kilmer kills the role. Like kind of, this is more of, um, straight while about like the definition of hippies and guys who really were big fans of, um, mood altering you know, substances. Sure. The other one was, uh, it's the Jimi Hendrix film. Jimmy always by my side. Always by my side. This one is starring Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000, uh, from outcast as Jimi Hendrix. Again, he looks the part. This is, I'm going to say the door is better than transformers. This one's probably worse than transformers. However, it's, it's a really cool, um, original take because while a lot of these movies are taking place over long periods of time, this movie is exclusively about when Jimmy was in England, which is how Jimi Hendrix became famous. Mm. He got out of the army. Started I mean, he 
had a really short career. Extremely short career. Uh, but for two years, he went and played clubs and bars in England, and that's how he got big. He's just this you know, black American blues guitar player playing these English bars, became really famous. Haley Atwell's in this movie hmm. as kind of like an obsessed girlfriend groupie type. It's pretty good for what these movies can be, but it's also kind of more on the cheap end. It's hmm. not, it doesn't live up to the bar as some of the other ones that we were going to talk about. But I, I just wanted to shoot them out there because I think they're ones that a lot of people probably don't know about exist. I don't think the Jimi Hendrix one got a wide release. And again, the Doors one's so old now. So I just thought we, you know, if you, if you're curious to see more of these and these are two, you probably haven't seen yet. You should check them out. One of the other less, less traditional routes for making a music biopic is uh, the Beatles. Well, there's actually been more than one Beatles, mm-hmm. but uh, Across the Universe is probably the most recent one that I know of, at least big one. What's the first one? Sergeant Peppers or Yellow Submarine? Beatles one. Because those are the three that I know of. Yeah. I think Sergeant Peppers. I think Sergeant Peppers also. I don't know. I don't know. Yellow Submarine, the animated one. I don't know, who cares? But there have been three. Uh, there are probably more, but those are the three I know. Yeah. Anyway, Across the Universe. Uh, doesn't actually have the Beatles in it anywhere. Nope. It is It is mostly... It, it incorporates their songs. It's, it's got kind of uh, new spins on their songs, sung by the... the I, I don't know. Is, is it actually sung by the cast? I believe so. And it's it's more about the the times around when the Beatles were active and the way that the times influenced their sound and, mm-hmm. and the music that they made. As the time as the times changed, so did their music right. correspondingly. Right. Yep. Uh, it's got Jim Sturgis. Who else does it have that anyone would recognize? Anybody? I mean, Bono's, uh, Bono's in it. <laughs> in it. Um, that's the only one that immediately comes to mind. There are people that I recognize who are like, you know, supporting actors in other movies. Mm-hmm. But Jim Sturgis is probably the biggest one, I think. I can't think of anybody else. I can't think of it either. It's just, it's a really, really creative way to, it's to trippy. kind of tell us. It is trippy. And, yeah. and it's, I mean, especially once they get to like Sergeant Pepper's stuff. It gets oh, yeah, super yeah, trippy. Yeah. But uh, like the, the strawberry fields, that's a, strawberry that's a weird one. The I want you at yeah. the at the draft office. Yeah, that is, is a phenomenal. great scene. It's a it's a great use of the song. It's yep. a great sequence. It's a cool interpretation of the song. Um, and so yeah, and I mean, it, they met it. Did they meet at Oxford? What are they? I can't remember where they. I believe it's Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. It's in America, right? I don't know. Are you talking about the Beatles? Or are you talking about no? Because like I know, like it starts. It, I, I, he come. He's working like in like uh, on the labor yard yeah. or something, and then he comes to America. So it's got to be like no, yeah, I, I, Yale I, or something. Yeah, I was trying to figure out because I, I know it ends where they like where the Beatles ended at their last concert mm-hmm. on top of the Apple Building. Yep. Um, and I can't. I couldn't remember if it like began where they began or or if that was. No, I don't think so. I, I don't know for sure, but yeah. I don't believe so. But especially as we we you know we've talked about several. So far, and some of the ones we're going to finish up with are kind of traditional, you know, straightforward storytelling. Mm-hmm. It, it's a kind of a refreshing breath of uh, fresh air to just have kind of a different spin on it where you're not just, you know, it's it's people you don't know. They get together, they achieve some success, they have some struggles, and then, you know, they make it. You know, it's a different story, which is, I think, is just interesting. What I like about this one is because I don't think people would generally lump it in with the biopic category i mean it is but yeah but it is very much so because it is one their music told in an almost chronological order and in, in the form yeah. of release um it is very much the world in which they lived in which most people don't realize i mean the beatles were only really together for about a decade mm-hmm. basically through the 60s it's a group of people that come together have some sort of you know peace harmony life and then everything kind of falls apart and they separate like those characters in those movies are representative of you know the beatles mm-hmm. 
I remember this movie more fondly than I feel like a lot of people do. It's not like the best acting in the world. No. It's just a it's just a cool different I, interpretation. I think, I think a lot of people didn't like the reinterpretations of the Beatles songs mm-hmm. that that wasn't sung by the Beatles or you know performed by the Beatles. Which I mean I can get how you get hung up on that, but I think the the versions are good. They're not like supposed to be replacements. They're just you know interpretations, and I think they're used very well in like in the movie. So I'm I don't know. I'm a big fan of this movie. I really I think it's better than Transformers. Yeah, I think it's better than Transformers too. I I've gone back and rewatched this movie on multiple occasions. Like sometimes I'm just like flipping through my yeah. DVD case. I'm like oh yeah, I have Across the Universe. See, we're we're getting to kind of the best of the genre here. My favorite too. I think are the ones we're going to end with here. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the the I can't think of his fucking name. Johnny Cash. The Johnny Cash biopic Walk the Line. Yeah. So Walk the Line, uh, directed by James Mangold. Oh, really? I didn't know yep. that. Uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash and Reese Witherspoon as... It's Reese Witherspoon, yep, right? it is. As June Carter. This is a great movie. It's about the you know hard life and times of Johnny Cash. Uh, I think what a lot of people don't realize about what you associate with the rock and roll lifestyle really started off with this like group of country stars mm-hmm. like Elvis, Presley, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings. These guys lived a hard life and uh walk the line goes into great detail mostly the film is about how not only johnny's fall but the love that him and how june carter was kind of like a lighthouse for him Mm. like that she keeps popping up throughout his life and always kind of thing that makes him return to the norm and the farther he is away from her the worse off he is and I, i i love this movie i love the performances joaquin does a great imitation of johnny cash mm-hmm. but i think reese's june carter is just great acting it's it's why it's hard for me to be like imitation is necessarily great because joaquin kills it he sounds like johnny cash yeah. he you know he delivers lines the way that you imagine johnny cash does but like Reese Witherspoon. It doesn't even. It doesn't even necessarily remind me of June Carter per se. It's just its entirely own thing, and she kills that part. Uh, she was either nominated or won an Oscar for the role. I know she was nominated. I, yeah, I, I can't remember if she won or not, but she is incredible in it. They sing all the songs the two mm. of them do, which is something not all of these share. But it's definitely it's a little long and it's a little slow. Like those are probably my two you know hiccups on it. It's focuses it it covers probably twenty plus years of Johnny Cash's life, but uh, a lot of substance abuse, a lot of substance abuse, you know, the divorce and, and, uh, alcoholism and drug usage and just all the makings of one of these music biopics. Right. But it, it ends in a good place. It, it kind of, uh, you know, avoids the last like 30 years of Johnny's life, which is fine. Cause he was mostly just singing like gospel music and him and June Carter were having a bunch of babies yeah. and that probably doesn't make for great television. But, uh, no, I like this movie. It's better than Transformers. People should watch it. Um, my understanding is it was mostly funded and produced by his, like, second family. I believe that's correct. Yeah, um, June Carter's family. Yeah. yeah. And my understanding of, of Johnny Cash is that he literally just, like, pieced the fuck out on his first family. Do, do, how, how do they handle that in the No, in that's the basically what happens. Okay, yeah. Uh, there is a little bit of, you know, him trying to have some relationship with yeah. his daughters from his first wife, but... It, for the most part, once the him and June right. start picking up, yeah, they're gone. I'm trying to remember who plays his first wife in the movie. I'm pretty sure she's a recognizable actress, but I'm drawing a blank. There are, there are some famous people. Um, one of my favorite things is Shooter Jennings plays his dad in the movie, <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny. Um, but no, I like this movie. Uh, I like that guy. Why isn't he in more things? Shooter Jennings is hilarious. If you ever listen to him talk, be, and he's not like intentionally trying to be funny. He yeah. just says 
off the wall, bizarre things. And I like his music too. Like he's pretty talented, but I will say having, knowing that James Mangold made this movie makes so much more sense for the rest of James Mangold's like film career Mm. afterwards. I think every trailer for every movie he's ever made has a Johnny Cash song in it. Like Hurt was in, uh, that's so true. (laughs) Logan. Like, Oh shit. Yeah. He's a big, uh, the other was Scott Derrickson, I believe is a big Johnny Cash, mm. Bob Dylan fan. And mm-hmm. not that like Dr. Strange has that influence, but you can also, you can just like kind of tell like they're, these directors ha- are definitely inspired by some of this music and it, it, it shows in their, 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 their movies. So I think that brings us to our last one, which is what we probably call kind of the pinnacle of, yes. of the traditional music biopic. Yep. Uh, which is Ray, which I, what year did this come out? Like 2000? We can look this up. Notice. Yeah, we got a second. 2004. Wow. Ray, 2004. It uh, came out uh, like the same year that uh, Ray Charles died, if I'm not mistaken, because he saw it. Oh, saw it, yeah. quote unquote. Um. <laughs> yeah, like right before he died, I'm pretty sure. The uh, if uh, that makes sense now, because um, is, is that quote unquote very offensive? Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> but uh, the what's the Kanye what, Gold Digger where yes. uh, Jamie Foxx sings the Ray Charles song yeah. in the beginning of it. So now, now that you say the date, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it's got Jamie Foxx who goes above and beyond like, in this movie, like, man. Has Jamie Foxx ever achieved anything close to like this level since then? Okay, well, I, I think he's great in Collateral. Uh-huh. So I will say Jamie Foxx absolutely has it in him. But like, we knew Jamie Foxx was a musician, but he's playing all those piano parts. Mm-hmm. He's singing those songs. Like he glued his eyes shut. Like, I mean, he just went hard i mean like the vocal tics the physical mannerisms like everything is dead on um and i I know you just talked about how maybe impersonation isn't the best thing but this might be a perfect impersonation agreed here well i mean again it's, it's a pretty standard story of troubled artist has a tough childhood grows up, becomes a successful musician, success and fame and, and mm-hmm. torture artistness gets him down, and then he kind of overcomes it, uh, which, as far as I know, is not exactly how his life went, because my understanding is Ray Charles continued to battle substance abuse for the rest of his life. A long time, yeah. Um, but uh, the the music's great. Again, Jamie Foxx plays and sings the whole thing, and it's really, really good. It's just, uh, again, you know, in the same way that we talked about how these music biopics are kind of like sports movies. You know, you know the basic plot lines, you know the basic beats uh, before you get into it, but you still like it. I don't know. I mean, this is Remember the Titans or, or whatever. What is what is the pinnacle of a sports movie? A Rocky? Uh, Rocky's up there. I don't know. I love Remember the Titans, yeah. man. So, yeah, no, this was, I think, a fair comparison. Like, yeah, you know exactly where it's going to end up. He's going to achieve. He's going to get over yeah. everything. Like, it's all going to be happy, but... This movie is great solely for just how fantastic Jamie Foxx is in it. He is stupendous in this movie. And you're probably right. He probably doesn't do anything up to this level again. But it's just a combination of... It's just the right casting because this guy is already talented. He was a music major in college. And he... It's just a, a perfect storm of skills for mm-hmm. him to play this this character. Also, the music's great. Yeah. Who doesn't love Ray Charles music? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's perfect. Um, the best part is watching him play piano, like, and just nailing the mannerisms of uh, Ray Charles. But... Uh, this movie's definitely better. Way than better than Transformers. It, it is the best one on our list, and uh, like, if you have not seen this movie, it is a must watch. Yeah. I feel like if if you if you watch none of the other ones, watch Ray. Yeah, it 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 is just as fresh as it was. Like, it's, there's no dating to this mm-hmm. movie. It's timeless. I think it is a excellent excellent watch. 
So, I mean, those are all like, you know, ones that are already out. Is there an artist out there that you think they should do this for? Because there's not stopping. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems like for a lot of these people have to be dead for them to be made. <laughs> yes. Uh, not always. You know, there are a couple on this list that, that that's not I true, mean, we're getting Elton John soon and yeah. Elton's still alive. Elton is, as far as I know, still playing. I know he's supposed to be on like a farewell tour, but as far as I know, he's still playing. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see Elton John live one time. It is It is a matter of time until we get the Led Zeppelin biopic. I just want a John Bonham one. I don't even really care about the other three oh, guys. Oh, no, you got to get the whole everything. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There's so much like mystery yeah. with Led Zeppelin. That's the thing, I think, with that, that band is... They're they're a legend. Like there's so much shit you don't even know if it really happened or if it's just made up. Right. And it's such a cast of characters. Besides John Paul, the bass player, who's lived a fairly like normal, quiet life in England. Mm-hmm. Like John Bonham died young, mm-hmm. but some of the rumors about that guy are insane. Jimmy Page, like people think legitimately is a priest and like you know. A devil church cult thing. Yeah. Um, Robert Plant uh, wore the tightest pants in human history. And has lived to tell the tale. Yeah. Uh, Because they they peaked so quickly. And okay, so Led Zeppelin's a tough one in that Jimmy Page, already famous. He was a part of the Yardbirds. He was already big. He put together this band. That's how Led Zeppelin got big so quickly. Right. But they were only big for like nine years. And John Bonham dies. They put out a bunch of records. And then they just never play again. They've played twice in the 40 years since then. And all we have is like rumor. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we don't know. That's what would make it so interesting is it could be total bullshit. It could be all lies, but it would provide us some answers into what Led Zeppelin was like. Yeah. I mean, you could even do like kind of a fantastical take on it mm-hmm. based on kind of the rumors and yeah. you know, whether it, you know, it doesn't have to be like a true representation, just kind of painted as, you know, these are the legends about these legends. Kind I of like thing. that. I yeah. like just doing just doing a movie based on the legend, like the whole mud shark story mm-hmm. where they, you know, beat a woman with a shark and like we're having like, <laughs> I mean, it's just weird stuff, man. There's weird stuff. But if you just made a movie about that, like it wasn't none, none of it actually happened. It's right. just things we think happened with Led Zeppelin. Right. I would be so down for that movie That'd set to the that. soundtrack of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, absolutely. Lives. Yeah. Uh, what else, what else do you think would be a good one? Uh, I think Prince would be a cool one, just because that dude is cool as shit. So you you know the rumor about Prince and, and the movies, right? What is that? So I uh, I wish Jason Hurt was here to tell me this one because I'm telling it. Purple Rain, I mean. Right, but there's a uh, supposedly Prince has has hired a bunch of famous directors mm-hmm. over time to tell m- his story to like make documentaries about him. And then he just stores them away in a vault. <laughs> Whoa. So, so this, again, this is also, there are so many legends about Prince because Prince, you know, rest in peace, great artist, is a real asshole. He was a real asshole and he while was, he was alive. From what I understand, like, pretty secretive, too. Yeah. Like, he kept a bunch of shit. Uh, he didn't, like, write a will or nothing. Like, right. he didn't want people to have his stuff. So, so there's an exceptional amount of, like, in the same kind of way, there's an exceptional amount of, like, rumors about his secret life that, yeah. that he keeps so and, and one of them is that he has this enormous film collection of you know different documentaries about his life that he's had people make for him and hmm. that have never been released to anyone wow um, see that's just more motivation to make a movie yeah opinion. i know <laughs> if you could get your hands on that 
Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I think Kurt Cobain, Nirvana in general would be a, an interesting uh, one. Again, uh, in the same way that, that you know, you talk about how, well, you didn't talk about how that, that movie was great, but the Jimi Hendrix movie kind of works. You know, Kurt Cobain, also active for a very short amount of time. Yeah, extremely it, so. I don't know, for me, that that works better because you don't have to, you don't have to wash over so much to hit the, the beat points. You know, you can you can really sit in, like, individual struggles from, like, you know, show to show from, you know, like, whatever. I don't know, have we had a, a big documentary from, like... A grunge bi- era? Yeah, from, from that era. I don't think so. I don't think I, so There either. are probably a few that you could do, too. I think Kirk Cobain's one that sticks out. Just thinking about the one, actually, the one I want most is Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Because there's enough drama in there that we all already know about Correct. with Fleetwood Mac that you know it would make a good movie. Like, you took a couple of married couples and you decided you were starting a rock and then everyone just started fucking each, each other. other. <laughs> well, fucking <and> <laughs> each other. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> It obviously went really poorly, yet they wrote, like, they hated themselves the most when they wrote Rumors, uh-huh. and yet Rumors is it's a... the best album. It, it's so fantastic. It's so uh, I bought an original print of Rumors. I found it at a record shop in Nashville. I was walking around. I was like, oh, I'll just go through these records, and I found, like, an original pressing of Rumors, and mm. I was like, I must buy this. And it just felt like, it just, like, sealed the whole Nashville experience for me. Um no, yeah, Fleetwood Mac, that's my answer. That's the one I want the most. That's fair. And one of the ones we had talked about before we started the show, that now that we're, t- we're talking about like how we get down into it, I'm, Michael Jackson might be impossible to do. I don't know that you could do it well. Just, I, just because, you know, in, in the same way that all these other ones, you have to conform a specific story structure to like make a satisfying narrative for the viewer. Mm. Michael Jackson's life just went through so many... Phases? Like, phases that... Not don't relate to each other, but we're just like so different. They are extremely different. That I don't even I don't even know if you could make one biopic about his entire life because I mean it would just be so sad. <laughs> I think you'd have to model it two ways, and they've and the only thing that comes to mind is things we've read. You, you talk about the Bob Dylan movie, yep. Like you you could do almost like segments. You'd almost do a Michael Jackson like anthology show and have yeah. a different person play Michael Jackson in each you know episode. And that's a different season of his life. Or you do... That's not a bad idea. Michael Jackson miniseries. Yeah. That's probably the best way to go about it. Or do like Across the Universe, which is a character or a group of characters are all supposed to represent a different part of Michael Jackson while playing Michael Jackson But music. I mean, like you, you gotta... I mean, you have to do... Michael Jackson's a child, the Jackson Five, the Joe Jackson, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of story to tell. There's so much, yeah. and then, like you have to get into like his talent and like the way that he like he never learned, like he didn't know traditional music notation, everything. Like but he had like perfect pitch. He had perfect. He, he had so many like just innate yeah. musical. Like there's just so much to tell there. I mean, the, the, between between Michael Jackson and the Beatles, they wrote so many songs that you know that you may not even know that you know. Yep. But like, if if it came on the radio, you'd be like, "Yeah, I know all the words of this song." Yeah, it's annoyed me as people who I hear who say they don't like Michael Jackson or the Beatles, and I'm like, "Well, do you like pop music?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "So you like Michael Jackson and the Beatles? Like, you don't get to say you like rock and roll or you like pop, even if you like country." I'm gonna be like, everything you listen to on a radio is influenced by those guys. There is uh, not a style they didn't touch. Yeah. And uh, did you ever see the the documentary? Um, I can't remember the name of it. That was he was doing like the shows in the O2 Arena before he died, and they was just the rehearsals, like the documentaries, the rehearsals. Yeah, what what was that movie called? I can't remember. It's fantastic. Is it? Yeah, it is so good. Hmm. Uh, it, it's a shame we didn't get that. Like 
I re- there's a talking about his perfect pitch. They're playing a uh, playing one of his songs, and he's singing. He just stops everyone, and he turns to the piano player, who you know has got to be one of the best like yep. studio musicians on the planet, definitely to be touring with yeah. Michael Jackson. And uh, he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, it's it's this, and he sings the line, and the guy's like, okay, it's this, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you played this, and he sings it back yeah. to him, and it's just like you know, just barely off, but, mm. but Michael heard it, yeah. Not only and he retained it, sang it back to the guy, and then told him what you know what to do to correct it. Like, there's just I am big. You have to know what you're doing. Like I'm a big person. You need to know theory, and you have mm. to have some classical training. And I get that he doesn't necessarily have that side, but. I, I don't think because he was such a character and there was just so much about him, I don't think people understand how good he was or yeah. how naturally talented he was. Uh, yeah. Again, it, it's now that we're talking about it, it almost feels like too big of a, a hill to climb. Yeah. I don't see that movie ever getting made, but, but someone it, will try. Yeah. If you gave me a six episode short on HBO or Netflix, I'd probably watch it. Yeah. Though. That'd be a good idea. But yeah, do you have anything else for the uh, the biopics? No, it's you know it's it's a again it's a genre I really enjoy that does feel kind of dated and yet always new because there are always new people there right. are always new stories to tell even if the stories are very similar. So I'm gonna you know I'm excited to see the Queen one. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go on record and make a prediction that the movie is not good, but that Rami Malek is sure. Which I don't know if that can be possible, but that's my no. I think that can be possible. That's my assumption. My, you know my my personal concern. We're gonna you know my my prediction is. The problem with this movie is the fact that the Queen guys were so involved in it. Probably. So it, yep. it, it tells the story that the surviving Queen members want to tell about themselves. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which I don't necessarily think is like the right story to tell, but we're going to, I'm, I'm interested to see it. I like Queen a lot. And so we will, uh, we will be hitting that next week. Yeah, I kind of hate that this movie exists for the specific reason of everyone's going to tell me they're a Queen fan, and I'm going to be like, no, Mother Trucker, you're not a Queen. Like, I was 16 years old when I got into, like, deathly in a Queen. It was yeah. like, for me, discovering Queen was like discovering the difference between Taco Bell and, like, traditional Mexican food. Like, uh-huh. I had had a taco before. I had had Taco Bell. And then you gave me this thing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it can be so much more. <laughs> it was like an awakening. Uh, and so... If someone says they're like Queen, I'm like, oh, cool. What do you like about Queen? They're like, oh, I really think, you know, like, We Will Rock You is a great one. And I'm like, bro, let's talk about all the layers and seven seas of Raya. Or if Live in Budapest was a better than Live Aid. Uh-huh. People don't want to have that debate with me. Like, it's just, I just feel like this movie can't live up to my expectations. So I'm trying to temper them before I watch it. Do your best. Yeah. I'm probably going to hate it. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be all right. We're going we're gonna to find out next week. Yep. Um, so in the meantime, what have you been watching? Not a ton of things. Uh, I, you know, as we've talked about in the last couple uh, podcasts, I've been reading a lot. Uh, well, well, there's there's one missing in the ether now. Yeah, it's just out in the cyberspace somewhere. I watched, uh, or I mean, I've read Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire since the last time we had a uh, nice. podcast. Both excellent. Um, the only thing I really have watched is I watched all of... I started Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and I gave it a few episodes, and I, I couldn't really get into it, so I kind of given up i may go back and finish it and then i switched over to the other like netflix october release which was the haunting of hill house yeah um which i really liked the i was a little surprised by the ending not going to go into spoilers but it has more of a i would say like happier ending or wrap a bow on it than most horror stories and not because this not because it's basically not because it's resolved it's just the lead character comes away with like a really positive opinion of his experience and how he grew and learned from it 
And that's a little strange to me, but the show does a really good job of discussing like depression and anxiety and suicide and um, addiction. And mm. I like the characters. I think the haunting is really cool. There's some cool twist within how the haunting happens. And there are some cool rules that they apply to their ghost. And, and, and it's kind of gothic in that it's, you know, basically this old house that it maintains all these evil spirits or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I, li- I would recommend it. I think people should check it out. If they, It's based on a book, so I, I doubt there is going to be a second season. But if I would watch it, if they did. like, I mean, look, if, if this one is successful, there will be a second season. That's very that's true. That's how it usually works. And we know when they're not successful, they cut them, like all the Marvel shows. Correct. Yep. Well, I mean, also because Marvel is taking back over the that's you know, true streaming but service. Go but. back and look at the ratings on them, man. They're real bad. I'll bet they are. Yep. Um, is that everything you've been watching? I think so. I, nothing else is coming up. Oh, I rewatched Fantastic Beasts because Crimes of Grindelwald is coming out. And look, it's not great, but I enjoy it fine. The biggest mistake in that movie is making Johnny Depp Grindelwald. Colin Farrell. Was fine. He's perfectly creepy yeah and uh i understand the whole like well how would have grindelwald made it like you could have polyjuice potions you could have he cast a spell where he looked different yeah. to every other person like you could have reasonably re- he's he's very entertaining in that movie i don't super love my problem is i just don't i like newt okay the best character in it is a human who has no magical powers yep. that's like the hard part to accept is he, Jacob is like the best well-written and, and arguably the best acted like that. He, Definitely. I would agree with that. Dan Fodor. Fogel. Fogel is like, um, he, he's extremely entertaining in that he's movie. Very likable. And, uh, you know, he can't provide any real help. Yep. And he really doesn't need to be there. <laughs> he doesn't but he's to, the best part. Yeah. And that's, it's really a detriment to that movie. And it's unfortunate because he also is what makes it great. Um, I don't need such a focus on the creatures either. I think that's going to go away in this one, in Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. If it had just been one story, if it had just been that movie, I probably wouldn't have been okay. I don't think there's enough there to build a franchise. No. Uh, so that's really the deterrent, but I like that movie. You know, it's Is it better or worse than Transformers? Oh, it's worse than Transformers. It's perfectly entertaining, but it's also it's easily the worst Harry Potter movie, in my opinion. And I, as a person who doesn't like the first two all that much chamber of secrets has gotten better the older i get but i'm telling you goblet of fire is not a good movie goblet of fire is not a good movie i agree with you it's but a I, good story and it's a good book but they do not make a good movie i think out of fantastic it. beast is worse than that i think you're probably right <laughs> i will say this about goblet of fire going back and reading it i feel like there's a lot in that book that doesn't need to be in that book hmm I think she kind of overwrote that one. Interesting. Maybe that one in Order of the Phoenix, but she's like a creature of necessity when it comes to detail. Mm. She incorporates so much that I just don't feel like necessarily maybe needs to be there in that one, but world building. Yeah, there's a lot of it, but you're already four books deep. How many, how much (laughs) world building do you need? Apparently four more movies. Yep. All right, man. What have you been watching? Uh, I'm still watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Cool. I think since the last time I, I, we were on this podcast, I said I wasn't sure about it. I am definitely sure about it. It is great. Yeah. Um, the first episode does not do the rest of the series justice, mm-hmm. but I'm, I think I'm just about to start the, the fifth season, the final season. And Dude, I was so sad when they changed the opening song. Right. The fir- the, it's oh, the, so good. It's so good. I have that same problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that I have quite been as 
attached to one in a in an anime series as I was to the opening. Because yeah, of- some of the other ones are not bad. Yeah, but like the 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 first one for the first season is really really good. Yes, it's fantastic. Like like both the song and the way it works with the opening sequence mm-hmm. are great. Yep. And I had I felt the exact same way. I was yeah. very upset about it. But yeah, it's it's uh. It's one of those shows where I feel like because it's of the animation style and like the humor, it seems like it's not as like, I don't know, deep or rich of an anime as it is. Um, but like the more the story gets involved, the more you realize this is like, I don't know, you just keep like uncovering new layers yeah, to yeah. it. And it, it just keeps getting better. It keeps getting more satisfying. I'm, I'm super into it. Um, I like the dad a lot. Yeah. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's also the narrator. And the narrator of that show has an excellent voice. That yeah. guy's really famous. I'm trying to think of what else he's done. I can't remember. But, you know, uh, we've probably talked about this already, that Grog is... Uh, uh, Mustang. Yeah, yeah. Roy Mustang. Yeah. yeah. On that note, I have uh, I found out that my the Fire Emblem game that I play on my uh-huh. phone, like, half of the Critical Role people oh, are, yeah, for are sure. doing voices on that. Yeah. Uh, Matt Mercer's like five different people in it. He's a ton. Uh, Reagan, who's been on the podcast previously, Reagan is playing through War in the North, and he kept he's playing as a female elf, and he's like, man, this voice sounds so familiar. It's Laura Bailey. They're yep. everywhere. They are everywhere. Yep. I wanted to briefly touch on one that uh, that I talked about in our episode that we lost to wherever, yeah. cyberspace. I think I know what happened, but... Oh, you do? And we're not going to go into that. Okay. It's an anime movie that, that me and the wife watched called Your Name, and it was, like, super popular. It's, like, one of the top-grossing movies in Japan mm-hmm. when it came out a couple years ago. It's a body-swapping romance movie. Weird. It's one of those things, like, I, I, there is more to it. It's just super charming. Like, the characters are really likable. The story is, is really endearing. You really want them to, like, you know, get together. I don't mm-hmm. know. You just... You get really sucked into it. The animation's beautiful. It's just, it's, it is a really good time. I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed it. Um, what is it on? Where can you watch it? You can't. I had oh. to rent it. Um, I rented it on Google Play. Um, and then for Halloween, because I felt like I needed to watch something of something appropriate, I watched uh, the Korean movie Train to Busan. Yes. Uh, that's great. Have you seen that before? I have not, but I've heard great reviews about yeah. it. And I know it's getting an American remake, which is probably not going to be as good. Not going to be as good. Uh, it's one of those things where it's very much like a traditional zombie movie in the sense that, like, again, all the beats that you expect for, for, since, like, Dawn of the Dead are there. But the execution is so good. Like, the, the, the specific way that they shoot each stage of, like, the, the infection and the the spread and, and the, the, the panic and everything is really good. And one of the things that I think is, is really the strength of it, especially compared to like most other horror movies, the characters are just really good. They're just really good, likable characters, which is so rare. In a, I mean, any kind of movie, but specific, specifically things in like the horror genre. Yeah, but Korean horror movies are like known for establishing one, great characters. Yeah. And then two, being insanely violent. It was not as violent as I thought it would be. I yeah. really appreciated the commitment to the zombiness. Yeah. The uh, the the actors who were the infected people were mm-hmm. really good. Again, like, I, I don't think this movie is surprising in almost any way. Pretty much, like, as soon as you meet the characters and, mm-hmm. like, you get the basic backstory, you know what's going to happen to them, when or if they're going to die. And, like, yeah. you know, like, again, it doesn't do anything to, to like, break from the genre. Like, it, it's not inventive but it's just a really really high level execution and you get really emotionally invested in the characters which is not true for most of these movies hmm. um and so i i really recommend it i had a great time i've heard it. really great views i want to check it out yeah. when i get an opportunity well, 
But I think that's it. That's all I got. Um, So thank you guys for listening. Uh, Please rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can, if you have any other biopics that we missed that we should have talked more about. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a ton out there. There's so many out there. Uh, you can reach us at betterthantransformers at gmail.com. Uh, we are at Real Phonies on Twitter. We might be at Real Phonies on Facebook, but I will double check on that. Yeah, we're going to verify that first. But, yeah, so next week we're going to be doing Bohemian Rhapsody. And uh, thanks again to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. <laughs>